0: Welcome to the Improve the News podcast for Thursday, October 6, 2022, where we separate the spin from the facts. I'm Melissa Topscher.
1: And I'm Adam Clark. Let's get to our headlines. Ukraine reports more gains and the nuclear plant may be turned back on. Trump asks the Supreme Court
0: to intervene in a Mar-a-Lago case.
1: A bombing in Afghanistan kills four.
0: OPEC is cutting oil production by two million barrels per day.
1: Taiwan vows to safeguard interest through CHIP 4.
0: New Zealand raises interest rates to a seven-year high.
1: UK home security promises asylum ban on channel migrants.
0: Liz Truss's speech is disrupted by Greenpeace protesters.
1: And Alec Baldwin reaches a settlement with regards to on-set shooting. And in our first story today, it is day 224 of the situation in Ukraine. And here is the roundup. Ukraine reports more gains in Kherson, Zaporizhia nuclear power plant may be turned back on. And here are the facts as agreed upon by Pravda, TASS, Associated Press, and Ukraine Forum. On Tuesday, Ukraine reported a flurry of gains in the newly annexed region of Kherson, in the south of the country. A military official claimed via social media that forces had liberated eight settlements in the district of Bereslav in the north of the region. Mounting Russian losses come as the country's president, Vladimir Putin, on Wednesday approved the ratification of treaties to incorporate four annexed regions into the Russian Federation. Putin also named the existing heads of the regions as acting governors within the Russian political system. Meanwhile, Petro Kotin, head of Ukraine's state owned emergency company, Innergotum, said the organization is considering restarting operations at the Zaporizhia nuclear power plant or the ZNPP, which has been under Russian control since the first days of the war. ZNPP's last reactor was switched off on September 11th after attacks on power supplies threatened a nuclear meltdown. Cotton said the plant may be reactivated to avoid equipment freezing in the winter cold. Furthermore, the International Atomic Energy Agency, or the IAEA, said on Wednesday that Ihor Mouroshev, will no longer continue in his role as the head of the ZNPP. Murashev was reportedly abducted by Russian troops on October 1st before being released two days later. The news comes as the IAEA head Rafael Grassi is to travel to Kiev and Moscow this week as work to agree and implement a protection zone around the ZNPP continues. Elsewhere, Ukrainian officials announced that the country has submitted an application for accelerated membership of the NATO military alliance, which has been signed by President Volodymyr Zelensky and Prime Minister Denys Shmyhal. Last week, U.S. National Security Advisor Jake Sullivan said Ukraine's NATO aspirations should be taken up at a different time. It's not clear whether a fast-tracked approach will be accepted. On the ground, Ukrainian officials reported five civilians killed and six more injured in Russian shelling in the Donetsk region over the last 24 hours, while one civilian was killed and four more were injured in the Kharkiv region. Four people were injured in Zaporizhia, and one was injured in Kherson. Russian shelling was also reported in the regions of Sumy, Mikalev, Nipopetrovsk, and Kiev, but there was no additional reports of injuries.
0: Thank you, Adam. And on this show, we separate the spin from the facts. Those were the facts. And here's our first narrative spin. It's the anti-Russia narrative from the Lawfare blog. Russia's annexation of four Ukrainian territories and contravention of international law makes it clearer than ever. Ukraine needs to be armed, funded, and defended until it emerges triumphant over Russia. This is a moment of strategic clarity. A peace deal is now off the table. And Ukraine must be supported by the U.S. in its fight against Russia's illegal invasion.
1: And of course, there is a pro-Russia narrative, and it's provided by TASS. America's continuing supply of heavy weaponry to Ukraine is making it a direct participant in this conflict. Such provocations have to stop before we see an expansion of conflict, with many more deaths, between Russia and the West.
0: And there's a statistics-based nerd narrative on this story. There's a 6% chance that there will be a bilateral ceasefire or peace agreement in the Russo-Ukrainian conflict before 2023. And that's according to the Metaculous Prediction Community. In our next story, Trump asks the Supreme Court to intervene in the mar case. Here are the facts as agreed upon by Reuters, Breitbart, NBC, The Daily Wire, and CBS former U.S. President Donald Trump filed an emergency request on Tuesday asking the Supreme Court to block a lower court's ruling that prevented a special master from vetting more than 100 documents marked classified from among the 11,000 found at his Mar-a-Lago home during a search in August. Trump's request comes after the three-judge 11th Circuit Court of Appeals restored the Justice Department's access to the classified documents, to continue its criminal investigation while the special master conducts his reviews. The Supreme Court said it wouldn't act until the Department of Justice gives its response and set a deadline of October 11th at 5 p.m. Previously, Federal Southern District of Florida Judge Eileen Cannon granted Trump's request for a special master, appointing Raymond Deary and giving him until November 30th to complete the audit and barred the FBI from reviewing the documents until he finished. In its ruling, the 11th Circuit Court doubted Trump has, quote, individual interest in the documents, adding that he, quote, has not even attempted to show that he has a need to know the information contained in classified documents. Trump is seeking relief through the court's so called shadow docket, in which a written decision will be issued in place of the official process of briefing, oral arguments, and opinions. The justices may also decline to give a reason for their decision or say how they voted.
1: Thank you, Melissa. CNN is providing us with a democratic narrative. This is yet another futile attempt to delay the inevitable until a potential Trump 2024 campaign, which would make it harder for him to be prosecuted. However, Trump's request will likely fail or worse, backfire on him. Even with conservatives, including three of his appointees, running the court, Trump hasn't received favorable Supreme Court rulings in similar cases. For once, he might not be able to avoid accountability.
0: And of course, there's a pro-Trump narrative. This is from PJ Media. Trump never stops fighting. And what his opponents don't understand is that every attack makes him more potent and popular. The DOJ and FBI have done nothing to prove this investigation is anything other than politically motivated. So Trump should keep on doing whatever it takes to crush it. There's some hardcore 80s rock music that happens after that reading.
1: Yes. working hard something like that gonna
0: crush the DOJ and the FBI
1: And in our next story a bombing at Afghan Interior Ministry mosque kills 4 Here are the facts provided by Al Jazeera DW Dawn and National Interest On Wednesday A Taliban-appointed spokesman said that a bombing in a mosque on the grounds of Afghanistan's Ministry of Interior compound in Kabul claimed the lives of at least four worshippers and injured another 25. Visitors and some ministry employees were praying at the mosque when the blast went off, reportedly caused by a suicide bomber who detonated a device. An investigation has been opened and Taliban forces have been guarding a hospital run by the Italian NGO Emergency, which allegedly received 20 patients from the explosion. Though nobody has yet claimed responsibility for the bombing, the Islamic State, or IS, militant group has allegedly carried out several deadly attacks in the area, targeting Shia mosques, girls, and schools. This comes after a suicide attack on an education center in Kabul, last week killed at least 53 people. According to the UN, 46 of the victims were girls and women. Security has been a top priority to the Taliban since its takeover in August 2021, reportedly leading to a reduction in violence. Over the past months, however, attacks have been mounting nationwide.
0: Thank you, Adam. We've got three spins on this story. The first one is the pro-establishment narrative, and that comes from The National Interest. Since the Taliban took over, Afghanistan has increasingly descended into chaos. The looming humanitarian catastrophe and economic collapse provide the perfect breeding ground for terrorist groups, not only posing a growing threat to innocent Afghans, but also targeting the international community. To prevent further destabilization, a U.N. peacekeeping force is required to promote a peace process among all Afghans.
1: And there's also an establishment critical narrative, and it's provided by Washington Post. It's short-sighted only to blame the Taliban for escalating violence when the country has already descended into anarchy, and the Islamic State was on the rise before the U.S. withdrawal. This was also fostered because Washington never developed a coherent political and economic strategy for Afghanistan. With international aid funds now being cut and the U.S. freezing billions in Afghan assets, the situation will only worsen due to Western failures.
0: And we've got a nerd narrative on this story from Metaculus. There's a 47% chance that Afghanistan will be used as a base for anti-NATO terrorism by 2026. OPEC Plus is cutting oil production by 2 million barrels a day. Here are the facts as agreed upon by CNN, Axios, Fox News, CNBC, and the New York Post. On Wednesday, OPEC+, Plus, the group of major oil producers that includes Saudi Arabia and Russia, announced after its first in-person meeting since March 2020 that it will cut oil production by 2 million barrels a day starting in November. OPEC and its partners control more than 40% of the world's oil production, and this reduction is the equivalent of about 2% of global oil demand. While announcing its cuts, OPEC Plus said the move was in response to the uncertainty that surrounds the global economic and oil market outlooks. The price of Brent crude went up 1.5 percent to $93 after the news. U.S. National Security Advisor Jake Sullivan and National Economic Council Director Brian Deese expressed their disappointment about OPEC Plus's decision, calling it short-sighted. OPEC Plus's decision could potentially hurt U.S. consumers if gas prices, which are now approximately $3.80 per gallon, skyrocket in response. This could politically impact the White House ahead of November's midterm elections. Geopolitically, an increase in oil prices could potentially help Russia finance its war with Ukraine. Russia is dealing with international sanctions, and on Wednesday, the EU announced a price cap on Russia's oil sales. President Biden responded to the OPEC Plus announcement by suggesting that the group are aligning with Russia. He also announced an increase in output from the U.S. Strategic Petroleum Reserve by 10 million barrels next month.
1: Thank you, Melissa. Well, any talk of oil prices is, of course, going to stir up a political debate. And our Republican narrative is provided by Fox News. President Biden has given Americans yet another reason to vote Democrats out in this fall's elections and make sure they get nowhere near the White House in 2024. Instead of ramping up domestic oil and gas production, Biden remains beholden to climate zealots that think we can survive on renewable energy. This has the making of a looming energy mess.
0: And here's the democratic narrative provided by the New York Times. There's no reason to panic. The slowing demand from the EU and China, which OPEC Plus fears, might counter the cutbacks. OPEC Plus also faces stiff competition from increased production from the U.S., Guyana, and Brazil. OPEC Plus countries might find that their decision won't have the desired result. And Biden's energy policies are on track.
1: And the folks at Metaculous have a nerd narrative on this story. There's a 50% chance that the price of oil will be at least $91.1 per barrel by December 2022. I don't know about you, Melissa, but whenever anybody starts off a conversation with, there's no reason to panic. I kind of get the urge to panic.
0: Yeah, everybody calm down.
1: <laughs> Taiwan has vowed to safeguard its interest through CHIP 4. And here are the facts as agreed upon by Al Jazeera, Nikai, Focus Taiwan, Reuters, Bloomberg, and Taipei Times. On Wednesday, Taiwan's Deputy Economy Minister, Chin Chai, said Taiwan will rely on the CHIP 4 Alliance to protect the interests of local semiconductor companies. He also addressed concerns about the potential impact of his initiative on the country's tech industries. Chin also said CHIP 4, comprising Japan, South Korea, Taiwan, and the U.S., seeks to create a resilient and stable supply of semiconductors. This announcement comes a week after a preliminary meeting of the Alliance was held virtually which reportedly discussed overarching goals. CHIP 4 is widely considered part of U.S. President Joe Biden's efforts to counter China in this sector. Taiwan President Tsai Ing-wen also reinforced the island's commitment to ensuring reliable supplies of semiconductors following a global shortage and urged allies to boost cooperation amid mounting tensions with Beijing. Taiwan is attempting to balance business and security interests, with the U.S. trying to curb China's military access to the technology and PRC plans to expand domestic chip production. This also comes amid rising tensions in the Taiwan Strait. The production value of Taiwan's semiconductor industry, which reportedly accounts for more than 60% of the global metal casting market, is projected to outpace global expansion this year. However, supplies would likely be disrupted in the event of a conflict in the Taiwan Strait.
0: Thank you for that story, Adam. We have a pro-China narrative coming from Global Times. This is an unacceptable attempt by Taiwan to foster more independence by joining an international organization whose goal is to undermine the PRC. With the way Beijing's chip sector is growing, this decision by the island, not to mention the U.S., Japan, and South Korea, is doomed to fail. Taiwan will regret going against China on this.
1: Thank you, Melissa. The anti-China narrative is provided by Asahi Shimbun. This is a straightforward economic agreement between Taiwan and three other countries. It has no impact on the status quo between China and Taiwan. Beijing shouldn't be so fast to overact to things like microchips or U.S. diplomatic visits to Taiwan. The PRC would be best served by focusing on talks to further peace.
0: New Zealand raises its interest rates to a seven-year high. Here are the facts as agreed upon by Reuters, Interest, Trading Economics, and Al Jazeera. In its eighth rate increase in 12 months, New Zealand's central bank raised interest rates by half a percentage point to a seven-year high benchmark rate of 3.5 percent on Wednesday. The Reserve Bank of New Zealand's Monetary Policy Committee, or MPC, said the move was an attempt to tackle inflation, which currently stands at 7.3 percent, and contribute to maximum sustainable employment as the country experiences labor shortages and heightened wage pressure the country's 3.3% unemployment is near historic lows, with 43% of businesses citing labor as a key barrier in a recent survey. The MPC noted that overall consumption remained stable despite increased inflation and rate hikes. However, they do expect the current drop in house and other asset prices to negatively impact household consumption. The MPC forecasts that it will continue to make rate hikes, suggesting its objective is to raise it another half percentage point to 4% at its next meeting in November and eventually hit a benchmark of 4.5% by next May.
1: Thank you, Melissa. The pro-establishment narrative is written by U.S. News. As seen by the responses from New Zealand's average business owners, workers, and consumers, Rising prices are by far the most significant economic issue the country is facing right now. With supply issues easing at a tremendously slow pace, the Reserve Bank of New Zealand has made a sensible decision to raise rates further.
0: And the establishment critical narrative comes from Massey University. A significant cause of the current supply and demand issues is rising oil and gas prices. Since increased oil and gas prices affect the cost of practically everything else, getting inflation under control requires increasing that supply, not only interest rates. I guess if you live in an island nation, that definitely is a problem.
1: You know, that's where the hobbits live.
0: Hobbits aren't safe from globalization, Adam.
1: Imagine what the hobbits' interest rates on those hobbit holes are now.
0: Oh, yeah, but they can they can Airbnb those.
1: It's so like you can't buy a hobbit hole nowadays.
0: No, you can't.
1: And turning our attention to news from the UK, the Home Security poses an asylum ban on channel migrants. And here are the facts, as agreed upon by Reuters, Independent, Al Jazeera, Newsbud, and Standard. On Tuesday, during the Conservative Party conference, UK Home Secretary Suela Braverman proposed banning migrants who crossed the English Channel from claiming asylum in Britain The UK government has faced increasing pressure to act on the issue, with more than 30,000 arrivals in 2022, surpassing last year's record. It's time to tackle the small boats, she said, to make it clear that the only route to the United Kingdom is through a safe and legal route. Braverman continued asserting that any migrant who illegally enters the UK from a safe nation should be swiftly returned to their home country. Or relocated to Rwanda, a reference to a controversial government relocation scheme. Under an agreement with Rwanda finalized in April, the UK announced that some migrants who arrive in Britain via small boats or as stowaways would be sent to Rwanda to have their asylum claims processed. The UK government has already paid Rwanda £120 million for this proposal, but the first deportation flight was cancelled in June due to a ruling by the European Court of Human Rights. Braverman defended her predecessor Priti Patel's divisive policy and criticized what she perceived as interference by the ECHR in UK matters. We need to take back control, she told members of the conference. Human rights groups have voiced severe criticism of Braverman's address, including the founder of refugee charity Care for Khalees, who called the proposal barbaric, and unnecessary. The Chief Executive of Refugee Action said it is now clear that this home security cares only for keeping people out, not keeping them safe. According to statistics from the UK Ministry of Defence, or MOD, 541 people arrived in the UK in nine boats on Monday, while almost 8,000 crossed the Channel to Britain in September.
0: Thank you, Adam, for the facts on that story. We've got a couple of spins. There's a right narrative coming from The Telegraph. The European Commission on Human Rights has grossly expanded its reach by ruling on asylum claims that are out of its purview. Braverman seeks to deter illegal entry into the UK and to restore fairness to the UK's asylum system. This effort will stop smuggling profiteering and reinforce the rights of genuine asylum seekers.
1: And a right narrative is typically followed by a left narrative, and this one's provided by Mirror. A blanket ban is an immoral and inhumane response to this issue and will only increase attacks on refugees who have every right to be in the UK. People who have escaped some of the world's worst horrors shouldn't have to face these kinds of threats just to claim asylum in the UK.
0: And there's a nerd narrative on this story saying there's a 50% chance that at least 1,990 migrants will die or go missing in the Mediterranean in 2022. This is according to the Metaculous Prediction Community. In the UK, Liz Truss' speech is disrupted by Greenpeace protesters. Here are the facts as agreed upon by CNN, Times, Reuters, The Telegraph, and The Guardian. Two protesters from the environmental campaign group Greenpeace disrupted U.K. Prime Minister Liz Truss's first speech since taking office. During her address to the Conservative Party conference on Wednesday, the demonstrators interrupted and held up a banner reading, Who voted for this? The disruption, just as the Prime Minister said she wasn't prepared to, quote, consign our great country to decline, prompted booing from the audience right before the pair were escorted from the conference hall by security. Greenpeace later confirmed on Twitter that activists had protested during Truss's speech to denounce the Prime Minister's shredding her party's 2019 manifesto promises. During the interruption, the two shouted slogans, including, Who voted for fracking? Following the protesters' removal, Truss continued with her speech, later criticizing Labor, the Lib Dems, the Brexit deniers, Extinction Rebellion, and some of the people we had in the hall earlier, among others saying that, they prefer protesting to doing. Paul Miner, Director of Campaigns and Policies at the Council for the Preservation of Rural England, responded to Truss's comments on the protesters quote, It's not eco protesters organizing the resistance to fracking. It's ordinary people who are furious at what they see as a litany of betrayal and broken promises.
1: Thank you, Melissa. The Daily Mail has provided a right narrative on this story. Amy McCarthy, who shouted at and heckled the Prime Minister during her maiden speech, has a history of offering unsubstantiated, woke commentary, including allegations that the British Army killed civilians and ruined the world. It's unsurprising that McCarthy would seek to undermine the Prime Minister, though Truss ultimately dealt admirably with the disruption.
0: And the left narrative comes from The Guardian. Liz Truss has abandoned her party's Green Manifesto pledge, and the voters that supported it. Amid a chaotic series of policy U-turns and economic turmoil in recent days, the prime minister's mediocre speech was overshadowed by a moment of democratic protest. Despite her attempts to distract with rhetorical references to growth, voters are more concerned about the impacts of Truss's policies on the cost-of-living crisis and fracking in their local communities.
1: And the nerds of Attaculus have a prediction on this story that there's a 50% chance that Liz Truss will no longer hold the office of Prime Minister of the UK by February 2024.
0: In tech news, Apple will adapt as the EU approves its phone charger reform. Here are the facts as agreed upon by CNBC, Reuters and The Wall Street Journal. Apple may have to change the charging ports for iPhones sold in the EU starting in fall 2024 after the European Parliament approved a new law on Tuesday requiring electronic devices to use a single universal type of charging port. The new rules would require most devices to have USB-C connectors. iPhones currently use non-compatible lightning cable chargers. However, Apple is reportedly already working on an iPhone with a USB-C port that could be available as soon as next year. According to the European Commission, the new rules would allow consumers to reuse chargers, saving them around 250 million euro, or 248 million dollars annually. The Commission also estimates that mobile phone chargers make up approximately 11,000 tons of electronic waste every year in the EU. Apple has previously said that the move would hurt innovation and create a mountain of waste from electronics. However, European analysts have said the move may become a sales driver in 2024, as Europeans are encouraged to buy new devices with USB-C ports. The European Commission agreed on the plan in June. It now moves to the European Council, made up of representatives of EU countries for final approval.
1: Thank you, Melissa. Our Narrative A on this story is provided by CNET. Universalizing charging ports is a great move that will simplify many consumers' lives, while also preventing e-waste. This latest plan is a clear victory for everyone. It's time for Apple to get on board.
0: And Narrative B is provided by Reuters. Regulating charging port technology is an unnecessary overreach by the government, as forcing conformity in technology will stifle innovation and harm consumers. The potential environmental benefits may also be outweighed by the financial and environmental costs of replacing technology that is no longer compliant.
1: And in our final story today, Alec Baldwin has reached a settlement with Helena Hutchins' family. And here are the facts as agreed upon by CNN, Fox News, Huffington Post, and New York Post. The family of Helena Hutchins, the cinematographer killed on the set of the movie Rust, And Alec Baldwin have reached an undisclosed settlement in the wrongful death lawsuit filed against Baldwin, the movie's production companies, producers, and other members of the crew. Hutchins was shot and killed in October 2021 after a gun Baldwin was holding went off while rehearsing a shot for the movie on the New Mexico set. The Hutchins family subsequently filed a suit in February of this year. As part of the settlement, Hutchins' widower, Matthew Hutchins, will reportedly become an executive producer when the film resumes production in January. With questions arising about how live ammunition could have been in the gun, New Mexico safety regulators fined the production company $137,000, citing its failure to consult weapons specialists before and after loading the gun and handing it to Baldwin. Hutchins' husband, who previously stated he wanted to determine who was to blame for the incident, has seemingly now reversed course. However, Santa Fe's district attorney said two weeks ago that she intends to prosecute four people involved with Baldwin as a possible defendant. The settlement needs to be approved by the court. However, both sides have celebrated the outcome, with Baldwin's attorney saying everyone has maintained the specific desire to do what is best for Helena's son.
0: And we've got some left and right opinions on this, Adam. The Republican narrative comes from prepared gun owners. Hutchins' death was a tragic example of the hypocrisy-ridden politics of Alec Baldwin and Hollywood stars more generally. Though this settlement may be the only consequence he faces, Baldwin will forever stand as proof that the law-abiding gun owners he maligns, who promote responsible gun safety measures, were right, while he's the reckless one.
1: Well, if there's a Republican narrative, you can bet there's going to be a Democratic narrative, and it's provided by CNN. This settlement goes a long way to bringing closure to Hutchins' family and paying tribute to her final work. Her death was a devastating accident, and the entertainment community has respectably come together to heal. Hutchins' family, the movie's director, and Baldwin's attorneys have all agreed to keep her memory alive in a positive light which is what everyone should do.
0: Thanks for listening to the Improve the News podcast for Thursday, October 6, 2022.
1: Each day, we use machine learning to read about 5,000 articles from about 100 newspapers and figure out which ones are about the same stories. For each major story, our editorial team then extracts both the key facts that all articles agree on and the key narratives where the articles differ.
0: For more information on Improve the News, please visit our website, improvethenews.org. You can also download the Improve the News app on the Apple App Store or Google Play. For Adam Clark, I'm Melissa Topsher, inviting you to join us next time on Improve the News.